Hey everyone, my name is Taria Ford. I'm the owner of Time to Mend, which is a safe space dedicated to healing, focuses on self-love, gaining that self-confidence to heal and become a better person. And you can find the Instagram at your time to the number two mint. Okay, yes, I'm excited to have you on today um, to build with you and go into it on some uh, topics. And I appreciate you taking your time out um, to come on today. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate you having me. Okay, so when we're looking at homeschooling, this is something that this is the first time I really went into it on the podcast. So I'm excited. Yeah. What was it that as a parent, um, as a mother, looking at the public school system, looking at charter schools, private schools, there's a lot of options as far as how we educate our children. Mm-hmm. What was it that made you say, I need to take this on myself to make sure that my child has the best education possible? That's a great question. So I feel like it was a combination of a few things. Unfortunately, um, the school system, the public school system around where I live, it doesn't necessarily cater to children one-on-one. And there's not a lot of teachers that like you who really care about the students. You want to see them doing good. So I knew that public school wasn't going to be for her. So then I tried around different private schools and it was more not catered to the style of teaching that I knew my daughter needed. She's very hands-on. She's very fast when it comes to certain things. So even in preschool or in daycare, I had noticed that she wasn't keeping the attention long enough. She would finish things, boom, be done with it. So I knew right then that, hmm, maybe I should just do homeschooling so I could work at her pace and be able to do things the way she wants to rather than traditional school or even private school or charter schools where I would have to necessarily cater to their system, their school days, their time throughout the year. And I felt like homeschooling would be more designed just for her and the way she learns. I want to ask you this as well. It's something I thought about while you were talking and just uh-huh. knowing my own journey. Um, there was a t- part of time where I went to online high school and anytime you're doing something that is kind of against the standard of this system or the mm-hmm. just kind of the, the go-to for everybody else, when you go against that, people always have something to say. Did you receive criticism from anyone like, why does why does she feel like she can do this this homeschooling thing or was it more so like people were really embracing it and supporting it how was the reaction from family members or friends people around you you're absolutely right there was so much backlash <laughs> and it's funny because i always wanted to homeschool before the pandemic before homeschooling was kind of more accepted So it was always, why you want to put her in homeschool? How is she going to socialize? How are you going to put up with having to teach her? There was so much backlash, especially from family members, because they're used to more of the traditional. You put your kids in school, you make them graduate, try to go to college. They're more into that. 
rather than seeing, hey, I could actually teach my kid the things that I feel are best for them. So yeah, there was definitely a lot of negativity, a lot of backlash, a lot of people questioning how I'm going to be able to manage or how I'm going to be able to do it or just homeschooling in general was viewed very negatively, unfortunately. Yes, I asked that because, you know, when you're you're doing something that's that's visionary, when you're kind of ahead of the curve, um, you're stepping out into those unfamiliar territory or unfamiliar waters. Um, so it's powerful. Yeah. You're taking that first step that many people aren't ready for. But like you said, you were onto this before the pandemic even hit. And that was the thing that set so many people back. They were not prepared at all. They were comfortable in the way they were doing things, you know, putting yeah. the kids on the bus or taking them, dropping them off at the school and everything just being good. They go on about their life. But Corona or COVID-19 shook everything up. I, yes. I see the things that you post and I've seen a lot of videos and stuff. You interacting with your daughter, doing fun stuff, going on like adventures and stuff. <laughs> so I kind of want to talk about how you approach uh, the curriculum or how do you actually plan out lessons for your daughter? Oh, yeah. And I'm glad that you enjoy getting to see all the craziness that we do. <laughs> but um, with her, I have it to where it's like, I like to do a lot of hands-on things, but we also do worksheets. So I find a lot of free stuff, whether it's Pinterest has downloads or there's a really good website called Teachers Pay Teachers, and they have free downloads, also things that you can buy. So I like to switch it up. Like every day we do the days of the week, months of the year, how we're feeling. We do our positive affirmations of the month. We do songs. And then I get a little bit into worksheets, but I'm not real heavy on it because I know that she is very hands-on, even if it's letters, words. So we do a little bit of both. We'll be outside. We'll go places. Like this month, we're doing animals in their habitat. So I took her to the zoo and we go to the park, look in the pond. There's just so many different things that I like to approach it. And I work on her style. I ask her what she likes. And then I try to cater the curriculum around that. So if she's really into books, I'll find some books in a certain area she likes. Or if she's really into chalk, we'll do our sight words instead of writing them on paper. We'll just write them with chalk outside. Different things to kind of cater to where learning and homeschool doesn't seem so tedious or doesn't seem like something we have to do and then be done with. And I try to incorporate it into our everyday lifestyle, really. I love that. That's that's great. The way you have that that one on one. And it's a, a interactive lesson. That's what I'm hearing. It's not yeah. like. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm setting this and this is what we're going to do is no, this is the objective right here. Because this, like, if we think about it, if we set the objective, if we set the standard, this is the bar that we need to reach. And that's what I do. I try to set the bar high, regardless of what the the students test scores in the past may have been um, mm -hmm. what their behavior may have been like in the past that's the past we're looking forward present and into the future so when we set that standard and we kind of put it out there like okay we're not going to tell this child this is how you get there or this is how you should get there it's more so that 
exploration of, okay, it's on us to work together to figure out how to reach this goal. And when you do that and you have that one-on-one interaction, is it produced great results. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I feel like that is really the best way to get kids to just learn, like learn to love learning without making it feel like it's even doing something outside of that. You're teaching them to explore and do what they're best at. That's such a great way to be. And I really wish that there was more teachers like you, like across the map. That's the type of teachers we need over here as well. And I think it's just, I appreciate that, but the mm-hmm. system has to to change. It's like, yes. mm-hmm. even when you have a teacher who is energetic, coming in, want to change things, want to bring forth positive change, it's like the, the system itself try to just kill your spirit, break you down. Yeah, it restricts them to really be able to do the things that they want to do. That's so true. So I'm going to tell you a story. The first day that I stepped foot into the into this school that I was recently at. Mm-hmm. I'm no longer there, moving into a new school now. But <laughs> so my first day, I'm not going to say the teacher's name who was previously in the classroom, but Miss So-and-so, we're going to call her Miss So-and-so. Miss <laughs> So-and-so already had her classroom set up the way Miss So-and-so wanted her classroom to be set up. It was tables all around the classroom and the ESL, meaning uh, students who are um, English is not their first language. Yeah, They mm-hmm. were down on their knees pretty much at the front of the classroom at the, the lowest table there was. Oh they had goodness. these little <laughs> spots on the floor. So it didn't, I mean, there's something in between their knees and the table, but it really rubbed me the wrong way that the rest of the children yeah. had kind of like desks, seats, all of this. And these children are down on their knees. So Wow. This was my first day at school, like I said. (laughs) I walk in and I'm looking over everything that I need to go through because I was I was filling in at this point in this classroom, second grade classroom. I went to take the the breakfast and the lunch count to see what students wanted. I get to the students that are down on their knees. So I said, you know, what would you like for breakfast? You can either have a hot or cold breakfast. The students just looked at me. I said, oh, they don't understand what I'm saying at all. Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> so the teacher that was in the classroom next door, me and her spoke. I said, hey, I'm having trouble, you know, reaching them as far as what doing the lunch count, all of this. And her response was, the normal teacher doesn't usually get a response out of them either, so don't worry about it. What? That bothered me <laughs> so much. Oh, my goodness. That bothered me so much that day. And what I ended up doing, I went and got another student who would um, translate it for me, ask them yeah. what they wanted mm-hmm. for uh, breakfast and lunch, but I, it still, that was in the back of my mind because it was like, you know, this was... This is the way the, this, let me be careful with my words. This is the <laughs> way that some teachers think, and this is how they approach learning in their classroom of, oh, so-and-so doesn't usually reach them. So I'm not even going to worry about it. I'm not going to try. I'm not going to attempt it. And see me, when I hear something like that, 
okay, the normal teacher don't reach this child. I'm going to take it on like a challenge. Okay, I have to reach this child now. That's just kind of the way that I I think. And I just watched throughout that day. And I saw how they had the iPad in front of their face all day. And those children were not really learning. And Mm. it's, it's sad. Is that not is very sad. I would have been livid. And see, these parents they send their children to these schools wanting the best for them. They mm-hmm. don't want them to be met with this thing. And now that's a situation of a language barrier, I guess you would say. There's also mm-hmm. cultural barriers where you have people teaching in communities where they're not from. You have economic barriers. A lot of a lot of different things that divide the classroom. But yeah, that really, that hurt to hear that. Yeah, that is just, that's very sad. And that happens a lot. Even growing up, I would be the only, you know, the only black kid in the class. I didn't have any teachers that looked like me at all. I don't think I ever had any until I went to college, actually. And it creates such a barrier in the classroom for the student. You start, I can only imagine how those children felt because they're not feeling heard. And that's the norm. Oh, we can't understand each other. So we're just going to go about our day and not try. That's very sad. That's so sad to hear. What was your experience like uh, growing up? Did you attend public school throughout your K through 12? Yeah, I did. So I, I was through public school all K through 12. And I was always the only, like, I I was the only Black person usually either in the school or in the grade, in the classroom. It was predominantly, you know, Hispanic or more so white. And I was always the kid that was super smart, always raising my hand, always got straight A's. But then my smarts to the teacher, at least, from my point of view, being a child, it was seen more as a nuisance or as an annoyance, like let someone else give it a try. So then I started to kind of little myself and I wouldn't raise my hand. I'd still get 100% on tests. I'd still be really smart, but I started to kind of push back a little bit and be like, okay, well, let me silence myself because it's a problem when I answer it. And that, that happened a lot. And especially in high school, like in high school, I went to all, it was very small country town, but had some very distorted views, especially when it came to race. So then even my schooling kind of led me to realize like, "Mm, I don't want my child to ever feel like that in her schooling education as well. Hmm. Wow. I have another question for you that I have to ask. Uh, From your (laughs) experience of homeschooling, what advice would you give to other parents who maybe wanted to, to go down that, that road? Oh, yeah. I feel like the best thing you want to do is, one, get to know your child's learning style. And two, to try to really unschool yourself, which means, like, don't try to do school at home. You have to try to actually cater it to your child. They don't have to wake up at, you know, 7.30, be ready at 8 o'clock, sitting in a desk. Do what you feel works best for your kid. And then another thing I would also add is that there are so many free resources out there. So if you do want to homeschool and you feel like you may not be able to afford it 
or you're not knowing where to start, you got to look online. There's apps, there's YouTube. There's so many different things nowadays that you can utilize inside your homeschool curriculum. So I really feel like those are the most important, just making sure you know what works for your child because each child is very different. And then being able to just see the different free options that they have, as well as trying not to be so institutionalized. Instead, you have to kind of have your own system, create your own system in order to really homeschool to the best of your ability and what will work for your kid. Oh, that's that's beautiful. You just dropped the bars, gems, all of that. You said, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> unschool yourself. You must unschool yourself. That is something that is so important when approaching education, not only not only the homeschool approach, even if you're going to take that into the public school, like the if we do the same thing, we're going to produce the same or similar results. And that's not what we want. We want greater, greater achievement. So absolutely, <laughs> if we go in just trying to follow the same system that we already know is broken, we're going to keep on receiving those same results. <laughs> but I love the way you mm -hmm. put that. One other thing, which you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, but I'm just going to put it out there <laughs> because it is a criticism of homeschooling. This is the number one thing that people put out there. And this is what they put out about. Yeah, I would say homeschooling, homeschooling or anything that was virtual learning. And this was pre-COVID-19. -co pre but people would make mm -hmm. comments of, oh, you're going to hurt your child's social ability or their social skills. If you homeschool, they won't have social skills. Have you heard that before? Or what is your response to that, if you would like to answer? Yeah, I was going to say, I've heard that a lot. How is my child going to socialize? How is she going to build the social skills? And I always tell people the same thing. For one, there are so many different classes, programs. You can take your kid to the park, anywhere. You gain social skills just by living your life. You can gain social skills by taking them outside, taking them grocery shopping, and they're learning to interact with people every single day versus just in the classroom. And a lot of times we may think, oh, well, they need to interact with people their age. That's what parks, museums, arcades, family members, friends, you have so many different ways that they can socialize. Homeschooling actually doesn't really limit that. It expands it. They're able to talk to people all over and talk to people in different settings, different areas, different backgrounds versus just having to talk to a few students, maybe during recess or a few students in class. They're able to have limitless conversations around the map, really. Another thing I wanted to ask you about was time management. Mm -hmm. How do you manage time when you're going through curriculum or your plans your lesson plans that you've done for your daughter if you see like okay this is something that she want to spend more time on do you just allow her that time or you move forward to the the next part of your lesson oh that's a good question I feel like it's a little bit of both sometimes if I find something she really loves instead of like just skipping to the next topic I'll find ways to incorporate different things into that topic. So for instance, she loves animals. So not only is she learning animals, 
to learn their habitat, to learn what they look like, but also you can teach them sight words inside of that lesson. So she's learning how to write the cat, the dog, whichever animal. She's learning how to actually write, read it, recognize it. And then I do Spanish as well. Living here in California, speaking Spanish is more common. So it's like I teach her animals in Spanish as well as English and just incorporating different things other than just the one topic so that you don't have to necessarily skip through it. You can also just expand on it in different ways. I love it. So what does a normal day look like? Like as far as how many hours you go through everything? Mm -hmm. So we start with like the chart. We have a chart that I made and it has the days of the week, months of the year. We have three class rules. So we say our three class rules, which are do your best, use kind words, have fun. Then we do our positive affirmations, our song of the month. We recite our sight words. Then we, I ask her if she wants to start doing something that's more hands-on or if you want to start with the worksheets. So then we do the worksheets or do something hands-on. And since I only have one child, it doesn't really take that long. I would say at most, maybe two and a half hours a day, but at minimum about an hour because it doesn't take too long to do a lesson, make sure she can kind of comprehend what we learned review and then end so it doesn't take too much time I like to do more so in the mornings rather than the afternoon but if she's feeling more so doing work in the afternoon then we'll do it then okay okay yeah, I like what you brought up in the the last point about kind of the blended instruction how this doesn't have to be and that's what a lot of teachers struggle with actually because of the way they they set it out they uh, they want the lesson plans when they talk about blended instruction or you have just different tiers where multiple things are being incorporated together. It's kind of hard to meet the standards and bring it all together for some people when they're lesson planning. But what you're saying is it's the process of learning. You can incorporate multiple things and show just so many those dots you don't even have to show it. You can allow that student to discover and connect those dots themselves, allow them to ask questions and yeah. freely express themselves. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on and discuss this topic today with me. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really had fun. I enjoyed it. And you asked a lot of great questions. Thank too. you.